Okay. Luke chapter 19. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. And as we're reading through these verses, see if you can pick out the common theme that's, that we're going to see here. Verses 47 and 48 of Luke 19. It's talking about the Lord Jesus. It says, And He taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy Him and could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear Him. Turn over a page or two to Luke chapter 21. Look at verses 37 and 38 there. And in the daytime He was teaching in the temple. This is Jesus again. And at night He went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear Him in the temple. Or, wait a minute, excuse me. And all the people came early in the morning to Him in the temple for to hear Him. Turn over a few more pages. John chapter 7. Seven. We'll look at verses 45 and 46. It says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they say, uh, said unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Look at John chapter 8, verse 2. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Starting to see a, a, a common theme emerge here. Turn back to Mark chapter 12, if you will. Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 37. We're just going to look at the last few words of that verse. It kind of says it all. The common people heard him gladly. See that common theme? Common, ordinary people came to hear Jesus, they wanted to hear what he had to say. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Let's pray again. Father, thank You for allowing us again to come into Your house to worship You. Thank You for these words of testimony we've heard tonight, Lord. We thank You for saving us. We thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for the strength You give us. We thank You, Lord, for a place uh, a place to live, clothes to wear. We thank You, Lord, for transportation to get here tonight. We thank You for health and strength to be here. We thank You, Lord, for all the blessings that You've bestowed on us. We worship You tonight, Father, because You are great and greatly to be praised. You are God and there is none beside You. And we come tonight, Lord, to bring You our praises, to offer our thanksgiving to You. And as a, as, as a needy people, we, sit, we come before You tonight, Lord, looking for a message from Your Word. And we pray that You'd speak to us through the Scriptures. We pray, Lord, that we might be as the people we just read about, people who come gladly to hear the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. We pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would apply it to our lives tonight. If there's a need that anyone here has tonight, Father, we pray that it might be met by the words of God, and that you might teach us. And uh, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're told here the common people heard Him gladly. Common people. Who is that? What does that mean? It's, it's exactly what it says. Just regular Joes, you might say. You might call them John Q. Public. These are, these are normal people, run-of-the-mill crowd of people. It says they heard Him. That's not the idea of they walked by a building where Jesus was was teaching and they heard Him on the side. That's the, the idea here is they stuck around to listen. They came specifically to hear Him. They got up early in the morning. We talked about last week about how um, a group of people saw Jesus and His disciples get in a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee and they ran around the shoreline to get there before He did. 
These are people who are dedicated because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And it says they heard gladly. That means exactly what it says. They heard him with pleasure because they enjoyed what he had to say. Do you find that as interesting as I do? I find that incredibly interesting that, that people would flock to him to hear what he had to say. And he had that same public response everywhere he went, it seems like. You'd, you'd never see anything other than that when Jesus is teaching common people heard him gladly. Now the religious leaders of, of the Jewish people, the priests, the politicians, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, uh, the leaders of the synagogue often, the people who knew the Word of God better than anyone else and who knew the Messiah was coming, the people that when Jesus was born, um, the king could say, where was Messiah supposed to be born? They knew the Scriptures well enough to say, well, that's in Bethlehem. Everybody knows that. The people who knew He was going to be coming and they knew to be looking for Him are the ones who rejected Him. But it's the common people who may not have had quite as much knowledge of the Scriptures. They flocked to Him. They wanted to hear. They wanted to hang on every word He had to say. They listened gladly. Well, Jesus is not walking the earth in an earthly ministry now. We know that. He's... He's ascended into heaven. We're told that He's seated by the right hand of God. He is God, so He's ever-present. But He's not walking along in a personal ministry anymore. But somebody is. Who is that? Talked about it this morning, didn't he? It's us. He left us here to carry the message. And the good news is, some people still gladly hear the message of the Word of God. Some common people still hear it. Some highly religious people are, they'll still push it aside. And political leaders, they'll still very much push it aside oftentimes. But common people, some of them at least, still gladly hear. But there are some who don't. They will not hear the Word of God for some reason. They heard it when Jesus taught it. And He left us here to share it. And if they're not listening, wouldn't it, wouldn't it imply logically that something's wrong? Something's missing? And maybe the way we present it, maybe there's something wrong with us. Maybe there's something we can learn if we look at the way Jesus related to people that will make them listen to us a little bit better. So that's what I would like us to look at tonight. Uh, I've titled the, the message, Reaching Common People with an Uncommon Message, because we do have an uncommon message, don't we? We looked at it a little bit this morning. The, the tendency that people have is to think, if I'm good enough, God will owe me salvation. That would be the common message, wouldn't it? If, we, if we're good enough, we'll get to heaven. The uncommon message is you can't be good enough to earn your way into heaven. We have to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very uncommon message. But common people, when Jesus presented that message, they wanted to hear it. So what can we learn from Him? And, and so we're, we're going to look at why common people heard Jesus gladly and see if we can learn some things from that. First reason that I think that, uh, that we can look at why common people heard Jesus uh, gladly was He treated people with respect. We can look through the Scriptures and we see that, don't we? Uh, Matthew 7, verse 12 says, Therefore all things whatsoever, this is Jesus talking, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Does that ring any bells? You've heard that given in different words, haven't you? I heard that from the time I was this tall, in public school no less, only it was put like this, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's, what, that's Jesus' words, isn't it? But to Jesus, those weren't just words. 
That's the way, the way he lived his life. He demonstrated that every day of his ministry. Treating people with respect. He showed respect to men. He showed respect to women. He showed respect to little children. He said, suffer the little children to come to me. I love them. I can, you can almost picture him sitting down bouncing a little child on his knee and talking to them and telling them the things of God in a way they can understand them. He showed respect to them. And it didn't matter if people were Jews or Gentiles to him because he showed the same respect to all of them. And he shared the Word of God with them. He hated sin. Don't get that. Don't miss that. He hated sin, but he loved sinners because he could see the people. And he loved people. And he, he came here to offer them pardon and forgiveness, didn't he? We're told in Scripture, he, or Jesus himself said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. People were lost, and he came to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you. You won't be lost anymore if you'll just trust me, if you'll follow me. I came to seek after you. I'm looking for you. Uh, and, and some people hide, and they hid from Jesus in, in his day, and they hide from the Word of God now. But he's still seeking them out, and the Holy Spirit still moves mysteriously to find people and bring them to Christ, don't they? So Jesus came, he showed respect to people, he offered them pardon and forgiveness. The question is, imagine the impact if every Christian in the world today showed the kind of respect to people that Jesus did. Would it would it would it have an impact? Would it would common people listen to us more closely if we treated people with the same level of respect that Jesus did? The takeaway, if we want people to listen to us gladly, we've got to treat them with the same respect Jesus did. We have to do that every day. And Sometimes it's not hard. Some people can rub you fur the wrong way, can't they? Some people with those with the excuses we talked about this morning and hiding behind those excuses, they can frustrate you. And you don't even sometimes you might like I don't know how to I don't know how to talk to, to some folks because they're hiding behind those refuges of lies and I don't know how to dig them out of that. It can be frustrating, but we still have to treat them with respect, don't we? Because that is a person that Jesus Christ died for. And so we have to love them the way he did. A second reason I think why um, common people heard Jesus gladly, he spoke plainly and simply. He didn't use big words when small words would work, did he? He preached and he taught with, with just incredible simplicity. He didn't try to cloak the truth in secrecy. Have you ever heard someone who preached or taught the Word of God and you're sitting there thinking, what in the world are they talking about? The Gospel is so simple. The Word of God, it's written, it's in, we've got it in our Bibles, it's in English, but I don't know what the guy is saying. Because they, they complicate it with such big words and such terminology that we're like, I don't know, I don't understand. Jesus didn't use flowery language. He didn't use deep theological terms, did He? Again, Luke 19.10, I just referred to it. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Four-letter words. He came to seek, to look for something. He came to save that something, which meant it was in serious danger and he wanted to deliver it from the danger. And he came to seek that which was lost. Those are very simple terms, aren't they? We don't need to convolute that. We need to be very clear, very direct the way Jesus was. And that message, that clear message that he was that he presented was, trust in him and you'll be delivered. You'll be saved from your sin. Very simple. John 3.16, again, we read it this morning. We looked at it. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we look at that and we say, that's so simple, isn't it? And yet, before we were saved, it didn't always seem simple, did it? Because before we were saved, we were probably some of those folks that said, well, yeah, if I'm good enough, I'll make it into heaven. I grew up in a family like that, where it was, if you're good enough. If you've got that self-determined morality, that moral code, and you're living by it, then you're probably going to be okay. I'm going to tell you, when, when the storm of God's wrath comes through, I don't want any, pro- you'll probably be okay. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't cut it, does it? I want to know I've got a rock that I can hide behind, and I'll be, I'll be safe there. And so Jesus made it very clear when He taught. Again, unfortunately, there's too many Christians who take somewhat of an opposite approach from that when they try to share the Word of God. Too many people try to use these deep theological terms that people don't always understand. Now, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, people in this community went to church and they took their children to church and they grew up in church and they grew up hearing those terms. Terms like, I just wrote down a list, sanctification or redemption, justification, predestination, edification. Those were terms everybody knew, even little kids. Inspiration, illumination. People knew what eschatology was, the study of the end times. They knew what the rapture meant. They knew a term like apocalypse. They knew what those terms were because they, they grew up with them. That's not the case anymore. There are multiple generations of people in the world we live in who don't know what those words mean. And if we're trying to witness to someone and to share the gospel with them, and we're using those $28 words when a 25-cent word would work just as well, we're losing them, aren't we? Jesus didn't do that. He used very simple terminology. He said, I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. Four-letter words. That's not complicated. One-syllable words. And His message got across. And so we've got to be careful that we don't try to, to use religious catchphrases or God forbid that we use that we would come across with this arrogance that says, I'm one of the chosen ones. God selected me, and you need to listen to me as I explain to you how that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came and took upon Himself your sin so that He might sanctify you, that you might be regenerated through redemption, and, and go on and on and on with these multiple-syllable words. We don't need to do that. We just need to say Jesus came to seek and to save you. And He will do that if you put your trust in it. He made it so simple, didn't He? We need to do that. If we want people to listen gladly to us, we have to make the message understandable. We have to make it simple, don't we? A third reason why common people listen to Jesus gladly, He showed people love and compassion everywhere He went. I'm going to read some verses or refer to some. Uh, in, when, it was, when the Scriptures tell us about Him healing a couple of blind men in Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, we read, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed Him. He had compassion. He saw they had a need. And He said, I can meet that need for you. You need your sight. Have your sight. And they went on about their lives because He saw there was a need. Turn, uh, you're in Mark. Turn over to Luke again to chapter 7. We'll read a few verses here. That is an, a beautiful example of Jesus showing compassion. 
where it needed to be showed. Luke 7. Start reading in verse 12. It says, Now when he came nigh, this is in the city of Nain. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much, pit, much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Mm-hmm. That's compassionate, isn't it? This is a widow woman who had one son, and that son had died. And that could very likely have put her in a very difficult position of having no one to take care of her, no one to meet her needs. Jesus saw that. He's just walking through the city and he sees that funeral procession. He knew exactly who that was. He had known this lady and her son throughout all eternity. He knew who they were going to be. And he walks over and he raises this guy from the dead. That's compassion, isn't it? On someone who needs it. How about the woman in the well? The woman of Sychar in John chapter 4. Jesus broke tradition and he showed that woman uh, interest. He showed interest in her when other people wouldn't. He showed her love. He showed compassion to a Samaritan of all things. Jews and Samaritans, there had been a hatred there that had built for so long. And Jesus just happened to be there. You, you know the story. He asked her if she would give him a drink of water. And he told her things about her life. And what was the result? She trusted him and she went and found everybody she could tell. So you've got to come meet this guy. He told me everything about myself. And he has no clue who I am. We know the rest of the story. He knew exactly who she was, didn't he? Because he is the Son of God. But he showed compassion on her. And we're told in uh, John's Gospel that examples of this abound. John 21-25 says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Uh, turn to amen. I'm going to stop here for just a minute. That, that is a simple word. It's a four-letter word, amen. That is a technical word. It, it has a definition. And we need to be careful how we use it, by the way. It means, it doesn't mean I agree with you. It means, so be it. Let it be so. There's other people here who have heard, you've, you've probably sat in churches like I have and heard preachers preaching a hellfire and brimstone sermon of if you don't get saved today you're going to die and you're going to go straight to the pit of hell and you've heard some well-meaning person say amen they just said let it be so i don't think that's an appropriate use of the word amen do you that word has a a meaning we don't want people to pass into a christless eternity do we so we need to be careful when when we use any words that's I threw that in for free. But we need to be careful with the words that we do use, whether they're simple or complex. But he said if all the things Jesus did had been written in a book, or in books, the world wouldn't contain all the books. That's how much compassion he showed. I think there's one more worthy of, of mention before going any further. Romans 5.9. An example of his compassion. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's compassion, isn't it? That's love. He died for every one of us. And that was not that was not an easy death, was it? He was he was scourged. He was beaten to the point where people couldn't even recognize him. He was nailed to a cross. He bled and he died for us. That's compassion. 
That is compassion like no other could show. If we want people, common people, to listen to us gladly, then we've got to show them Jesus' love and compassion the same way He did. And we've got to show it to each other, too. We can't just show it to the other people that we're trying to witness to because they're watching us. If we're not showing compassion to each other, we've got a problem on our hands, don't we? Because they're going to say, well, I don't want anything to do with them people. They tell me they love me, but they hate each other. Or they're always ragging on each other. So we've got to be careful with that. It's not an option. We have to show Jesus' love and compassion, don't we? Another reason why I believe common people heard Jesus gladly, He didn't show any respect of persons. And this kind of goes back. It's it's somewhat similar to uh, the first one we talked about. He demonstrated love to everybody. Men, women, children. Uh, It didn't matter. Boys, girls, all colors, all nationalities, religious preference. It didn't matter. Jesus did not show a respect of persons to him. They could be rich. They could be poor. They could be sick. They could be well. They could be the outcasts of society. They could be people who had um, terribly contagious diseases. He still showed compassion on them and love to them, didn't he? And so he taught his disciples to do the very same thing. In Acts chapter 10, you don't have to turn here, but Acts 10, 34 and 35, we read this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Those are big words for Peter, because at one time Peter, he did kind of, he had a little problem with Gentiles, didn't he? But but the Lord Jesus got across to him, and he showed him that we cannot be a respecter of persons. History tells us, we know that most of the apostles were, they died the death of martyrs. They were put to death for their, for their faith. History also tells us that most of them died outside of the land of Judea as martyrs. They went to people that were completely different from them, different religious background, different colors, different faiths. They went out because they did not show respect to persons, and they were willing to give their lives for people. That's compassion, isn't it? And that's the love of Jesus. If we want people to, or common people to listen to us gladly, we have to make sure that we're not harboring bigotry, that we're not harboring any, any level of discrimination or any respect to persons. We've got to make sure people understand. We love them. We're like, we need to be like the Lord Jesus and love the person even though we hate the sin. We despise the sin that's taking them toward a Christless eternity but we love the people, and we need to demonstrate that. Another reason why I believe Jesus uh, was able to speak to, to common people in a way that they heard Him gladly, He appealed to the deepest needs that people had. Not just their superficial needs. He fed hungry people, didn't He? We've seen that in Scripture. Recently, we've, we've looked at, at some of those verses that talk about how He used uh, just a, a minute amount of food to feed thousands of people. So we know he did that. But he also sought to relieve their spiritual hunger. Um, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus said, if you're hungering after righteousness, look into my word. Look into the scriptures. You'll be filled. I'll give you what you need. I'll fill fill that need, that hunger and that thirst that you have. He healed physical sickness, but he also provided for spiritual healing, didn't he? Uh, Luke 19.10, again, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. 
He wasn't. He didn't just want to heal physical sickness. He wanted to heal that spiritual need that people had. That spiritual need that took the form of separation from God and His love. And He said, I can fix that for you. You put your faith in Me. That, that gap between you and God will be closed. You'll become a member of God's family. You'll be saved. You'll be born again. That, that, now there's those technical terms. You can be born into God's family. You want to understand it on a, on a, a very simple level. You'll become one of God's children. And you can call Him your Father. Those are simple terms, aren't they? Think terms that any of us understand. right? And so He, he did that. He met people's spiritual uh, needs. He not only brought the dead back to life, but he provided eternal life to anyone who would put their faith in him. John 10, verse 27 and 28, he said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Again, that's very simple language, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice. I'm their shepherd. And they know me, and I know them, and they follow me. That's what sheep do. They follow their shepherd. They get accustomed to his voice. And wherever the shepherd goes, the sheep follow along. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And they need to follow the shepherd because sheep are somewhat defenseless. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. And so they're relying on their shepherd to protect them. And so again, it's very simple language. He says, I give them eternal life. In other words, they're never going to die. Now, we may die physically for a time, but the Word of God says if we die in this life as Christians, we're immediately uh, ushered into the presence of God and we'll never be separated from Him again. We have eternal life. He not only gave His time and His words and His love and His healing touch, He gave Himself. That's big, isn't it? He gave Himself for people. John 10, 11, I'm the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. There were wolves. The Satan is the chief wolf who was coming after the sheep of Jesus' pasture. And he said, I'll give my life to protect those sheep. And that's exactly what he did. We have to stop and think about that a little bit. Don't we? He gave everything, including his life. He gave that willingly. The takeaway for us, if we want people to listen to us, common people to listen to us gladly, then we have to be ready to meet their deepest spiritual needs just like Jesus did. A superficial message, that's not good enough. People need to know that we care about them and that we want to meet their spiritual needs. Just a quick handshake and a howdy-do when they come to church, that's not enough, is it? They have to know that as Christians, we really care. We want them to be born again into the family of God, don't we? We have to demonstrate that love of Christ to a world that's lost and dying around us. That's how we get common people to listen, to hear the message that we have and to listen to it gladly. Another reason, this is an important one, why common people would listen to Jesus uh, gladly. He spoke with authority. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29 read like this. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He spoke differently than anybody else. He spoke with the authority of God. He said, this is the Word of God. And that captures attention, doesn't it? Nobody else taught with the authority like he did. Other people could only share what they had been taught themselves. 
they could just regurgitate the truth that they had, so to speak, which is basically what I'm doing. I'm, I'm standing in front of you tonight. I can tell you what I have been taught from the Word of God. I can tell you what it says, but it's His Word, not mine. Jesus, it was completely different. It was His Word because He was the Son of God. He taught the same Scriptures, but He taught them from an insight that only the Son of God could have. There wasn't any hearsay where He was concerned. This was first-hand information. Uh, This wasn't a message that was handed down to Him because Jesus was the lawgiver, but He was also the law fulfiller. He was the only one who ever fulfilled the law of God perfectly, wasn't He? He was the creator of everything. And He was also the sustainer of everything. That's what Scripture teaches us. All of creation was created by Him. It was created for Him, for His glory, and He sustains it all. That's good news, isn't it? He had power over life, and He had power over death, so He could speak with authority that no one else could. He was God in the flesh. And that meant that he spoke with the ultimate authority. And people recognized that, that he was speaking as one who had authority. And so they were willing to listen to it. The takeaway, if we want common people to hear the message we have, then we have to speak with Jesus' authority. And we have to make sure that people understand it's the Word of God I'm bringing you. Because if we go up, walk up to somebody and say, if you're lost in your sins, you're going to pass into a Christless eternity. You'll suffer damnation for all of eternity and there will never be a hope of you being saved after that, after this life. You could run rub somebody's fur the wrong way with that, couldn't you? But if we make sure that folks understand, I'm not the one telling you this. This is the Word of God. And I, if I could change it, I would. To help someone, to, 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 to make it easier if, if at all possible. Salvation, salvation is easy anyway if we put our trust in Christ. But we might want to change it and make it something different. But this is God's Word that we're speaking on. We need to make sure that folks understand we're speaking with His authority. And when we do that, there's no reason for us to want to take a poll to see if people agree with it, is there? It's not election time. Well, if you if everybody agrees, then we'll share this gospel message. No, we don't, we don't need a poll. This is God's Word, and we need to stand on it. And we need to make sure that folks understand it. Because it will stand on its merits, it always has, and it will stand on its merits for all eternity. Matthew 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. They never will. They're never going to change. It will always be God's Word. A last reason that we can look at here, there are many others, but this is the last one we'll look at tonight. Why I believe common people listened, they heard Jesus gladly was because his life perfectly matched up with his teaching. That one gets a little harder, doesn't it? For we can we can teach a good game, we can talk a really good game, but our life has to align with it, doesn't it? And Jesus did. There, you know, there was never an accusation. Of all the accusations that people brought against him, not once was he ever accused of hypocrisy, was he? Because he lived what he taught. He was genuine. And people could see that. At his trial... Uh, the folks who hated him, the people who had put him on trial, they, tr- they, they looked and they looked and they looked and they tried to dig up dirt on him. They tried to find people who could accuse him of a crime that he committed and they couldn't find anything. They had to pay off some false witnesses to come and, and bring a false testimony against him because there wasn't anything that Jesus did wrong, ever. He was holy. He was sinless. His doctrine 
What he taught and what he lived, they meshed together completely. There was never a mismatch anywhere. Everything worked perfectly. They matched perfectly. He taught people to love, and then he loved people completely himself, didn't he? He showed compassion. He taught meekness to people, that, that his followers should be meek. And then he lived that meekness because he submitted himself to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane to be put on trial illegally, to be to have false witnesses come against him, and he didn't speak a word. That's meekness, isn't it? He suffered himself to be nailed to that cross and to die for us. The sinless one to die for us because he was giving his life for the sheep. That's meekness. He taught that and he lived it. He taught people to trust in God. And then he yielded himself to God's will. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, "If this cup can't pass from me, then let me drink of it. I'll take the, I'll take this, I'll take this punishment for my people." Again, the Good Shepherd laying his life down for his sheep. So, what's our takeaway? If we want common people to listen to the message that we have, gladly, we've got to be genuine, just like Jesus was, don't we? It's not an option if we want people to listen to us, and we do want people to listen to us. Because common people need the Lord. We would all agree with that. Everyone on this earth who has never trusted Jesus Christ, they need to trust Him, don't they? And we've been tasked with the goal of reaching them with a very uncommon message. The message of the Gospel. And we have to be more like Jesus if we want them to gladly hear what we have to say. Because I, I, can, I can attest to you that I'm not always I don't always meet these things. I I have a propensity for rubbing people the wrong way sometimes. I'm sure I do because I can be very blunt sometimes. I, I was telling Brother Ken earlier. He was talking about some things at work, and I said, you know, I will I will be quiet a lot of times, and I won't share my opinion, but I will tell people, do not ask me a question that you don't want to hear the answer to, because I might just give you my opinion of the answer if you ask the question. And if you push it along far enough, and I might rub you further the wrong way. Not because I'm, I'm trying to be caustic or anything, but that's just me, I guess. It's what I'm made of. But we have to try, we have to strive to be like Jesus, to be genuine. We have to strive to treat people with respect, to make the message we bring to them understandable, to bring it down to a level that anyone can understand it. I've heard, I've heard people who write... Um, or who have preached, taught uh, homiletics, uh, or written books on homiletics, which, by the way, is a big word. It just talks about preaching. And they say a preacher standing behind a pulpit should say his message should be understandable by the youngest person in the in the congregation. And that youngest person might be a three-year-old. So we we don't need big words. We need to be understandable, don't we? We need to show genuine love and compassion to people. We need to make sure we're not showing a respect to persons because God doesn't. And we need to we need to emulate the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to appeal to people's deepest spiritual needs with the message of God. We need to speak with the Lord's authority and recognize it's it's the word of God that we're sharing with people. We don't make apology for that. We don't as as some people in the past may have done, we don't take this book right here and use it to beat people over the head with it, do we? That's, it's not a weapon in that respect. But we do share the Word of God with people without apology. 
and we need to be consistently live what we teach. And I believe if we do that, and we emulate Jesus in that way, we can reach a point where people will, be, will more gladly listen to the message we have to say and the message we have to share because our goal, by the way, again, it's not, to, it's not just to get people to listen to us. It's to get people to trust the Savior we're pointing them to because we want people to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of that truth. That's, that's, that's what we're after. That's why we're here. We're ambassadors for Christ. We go on His authority. So I hope that's been helpful. Let's close in prayer. Father, again, we thank You so much uh, for the message of Your Word. We thank You for the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had a ministry of some three to three and a half years, we're told, here on earth. And Father, we've, we've got much of what He accomplished, uh, what He taught, is recorded in Scripture. Much of it is not. As the Apostle John uh, recorded, if, if everything that He did was written in books, the world couldn't contain them all. But everything He did aligned perfectly with His character. He showed compassion. He showed love. He did not show respect of persons. His message was simple. He was trying to reach people. He was trying to seek and to save people who were lost and to lead them to a saving faith. And we should do the very same thing. And we pray that we would. And we pray, Lord, that You would make us more like our Lord Jesus. Pray the Holy Spirit would move among us, Father. If there are those, those rough edges... Uh, about us, about our personalities, about our approach that might rub people the wrong way. We pray, Lord, that you'd knock those rough edges off and that you'd make us uh, the witnesses that we ought to be. And we pray, Lord, that as we share the Word of God with people, that they would see that it is the Word of God. It's not ours. It is not uh, cunningly devised fables. It is your Word and your Word of truth, your Word of grace, your Word of mercy and compassion and that souls can be saved. People can come to the knowledge of the truth. They can be born again into God's family if they simply trust the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver them from their sins. That's our prayer. We pray that that message would go out loud and clear from this church and from other churches in the area. And we pray that, Lord, you might begin to, to uh, sow the seeds of revival among us in this community and others like it, that, that souls would be saved and that the Word of God would go out with power we commit that to You, Lord, because that's Your work. It's not our job to save anyone. It's simply our job to be witnesses, to share our testimony. We pray that You'd make us faithful to do it. Father, You've heard all the prayer requests that have been mentioned today. There are some who are sick in hospitals, some in pain, some uh, seeking uh, medical procedures in the coming days, some recovering from surgeries. We just pray that You'd meet these needs, Father, that You would be close to each of us. Father, where there is pain, we pray that you might give a remission of that, that you might uh, alleviate the pain. We pray that you give doctors wisdom, that medications would do their jobs. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, just continue to work among your people. And Father, again, we pray if there's been anyone here today that has uh, never trusted Jesus Christ, we pray that you bring them to that point where they would trust Him and be born into your family. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.